Welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 31st of January with me, Bernadette Anderko. We've got a packed show today with our fixed income strategist, Dario Messi, here to talk about his thoughts on bonds that can offset the impact of inflation. And given that we saw both Alphabet and Microsoft delivering their results yesterday, it's timely that our head of equity strategy, Mattia Rachete, is here to update us on the latest from the Q4 earnings season. But first, we're going to get a roundup of the latest markets action. And today, that's from my colleague, Lucia Cecilovic. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Bernadette. So we had uh, quite a bit of macroeconomic data out yesterday, and perhaps we could start by looking at that first today. Um, And why don't we start by looking close to home? What were the latest GDP figures out of Europe like? So we actually have some good news here. The Eurozone unexpectedly avoided its first recession since the pandemic in the latter half of 2023. This was largely due to stronger growth in Italy and Spain, which was able to offset economic weakness in Germany. More importantly, and also a little more concerning, the survey data suggests that the start of this year remains relatively weak, especially as Germany is going into a downturn. And as you know, Bernadette, Germany is the largest economy in the region, so its economic trajectory is really important. Now, staying with the good news, the recession everyone was expecting hasn't materialized. And for now, it looks like the ECB will be able to deliver the soft landing everyone was hoping for. European markets rallied on the news yesterday, with the stock 600 hitting a fresh two-year high, and Spanish and Italian equity markets up more than 1%. Moving across the Atlantic to the US, um, I saw that whilst house prices rose in November, the rise was a little less than the market expected. Um, What other important macroeconomic data did we get there yesterday, Lucia? So starting with the U.S. labor market data, job openings unexpectedly rose in December to the highest level in three months. This strong data underscores a strong labor market that is driving robust U.S. economic growth. And in other news, separate data showed renewed optimism among U.S. households. In fact, U.S. consumer confidence rose in January to its highest level since the end of 2021. And this was driven in part by a more upbeat view of the labor market, which I just mentioned. And this optimistic reading regarding the U.S. consumer provides further evidence that the U.S. economy remains in good health. Well, this really sounds like good news. Uh, It sounds to me like the Fed, just like the ECB, will be able to deliver a soft landing for the economy. But of course, uh, speaking of the Fed, all eyes are on today's rate decision, aren't they? And and what's the market expecting? So the market is definitely not expecting a change in interest rates. The Fed Fund's futures market has priced in a nearly 98% probability that the central bank will leave rates unchanged. So instead, investors will keep their focus on the Fed's communication and they will focus on the policy statement that will close out the meeting. Now, the earnings season is in full swing and uh, Mathieu will fill us in on the big picture. But perhaps uh, you could tell us the main results from yesterday, please. I know all investors have been waiting for these uh, magnificent seven stocks to start reporting. Yeah, that's right, Bernadette. 
So in yesterday's after-hours trading, both Alphabet and Microsoft reported quite solid results as they managed to beat on both top and bottom lines. However, both shares slipped following the results. For Alphabet, it was mainly due to the disappointing ad revenue. But more generally, some market commentators think that the pullback in their shares could be more of a short term following the trend, buy on rumors, sell on news. What is for certain, though, is that tech stocks are trading at relatively high valuations. And so they are facing high expectations when it comes to their earnings. We haven't talked about the Asia-Pacific markets just yet. Um, I've read that uh, Australian stocks have set a new all-time high and the rest of Asia has been trading rather mixed. There is some news out of China again this morning, so perhaps uh, you could elaborate on that for us. Sure. So starting off with China's manufacturing activity, it contracted for a fourth consecutive month in January, and this underscores the much-needed policy support. Meanwhile, the non-manufacturing activity continued to expand, and this strength in China's services industry actually helps offset the weakness in the construction sector amid the slump in the real estate sector. However, employment for both non-manufacturing and manufacturing sectors edged lower in December. And there's also some news out of China that they're merging hundreds of rural banks, right? Yes, that's right. So Bloomberg reports that China is embarking on its biggest consolidation in the banking industry by merging hundreds of rural lenders into regional giants. This comes amid growing signs of financial stress and after China's banking industry has been weighed down by a series of troubles over the past years. All right, so before we get on to what's on the agenda for today, perhaps you could just give us a quick update on where yields and uh, commodities are this morning. Sure. So more generally first, Bond traders have lowered bets on US rate cuts this year, with the odds of a reduction in March dropping to about one in three. The yield on 10-year treasuries is steady but declined slightly this morning. Uh, but meanwhile, Japanese bond yields are up as a summary of the Bank of Japan's meeting signaled that the central bank is getting closer to raising its interest rate for the first time since 2007. In terms of commodities, oil is heading for its first monthly gain since September, while gold is headed for its first monthly dip since October. All right, thanks for that. And now finally, uh, Lucia, what can investors expect to see today? As you've said earlier, Bernadette, all eyes are on the Fed decision later today. But in terms of macroeconomic data, the agenda is rather light. We will get French and German inflation as well as Spain's retail sales, and in the US, we will get the US ADP and employment figures. Finally, as for where markets are headed today, futures look mixed in Europe, but are mostly down in the US. So let's see what the day brings. Thanks so much for that great uh, wrap up of the markets, Lucia. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. So now I'm delighted to welcome Dario Messi to the show, and we're going to talk about something a little bit different in the fixed income world today. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. So inflation has been a hot topic for a while now, and, and whilst ordinarily inflation is a bad thing for bonds, there are such things as inflation-protected bonds, and I guess the best known are the US government's uh, treasury securities, known as TIPS, and they should shield investors from increasing prices. So to start with, how do these instruments work, Dario? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you're very right. Inflation is always the number one enemy for uh, bondholders. This is quite clear if, if you think about it. Uh, you have a nominal claim, a fixed contract, a fixed stream of coupons 
uh, for an upfront payment, so the bond price. Now, inflation-protected bonds basically try to change the cash flow structure in the sense that bondholders get compensated more if inflation rises. Um, in a way, it results in a in a very different nature of the instruments compared to uh, traditional bonds because with this feature, it is actually transformed into a real claim, and this is quite important. Um, there are different ways and, and many important and also complex uh, details on how the inflation adjustments uh, can be done. In the case of TIPS, uh, the securities you mentioned, the, the inflation-protected securities issued by the U.S. government, the principal amount uh, rises when the consumer price index rises. Um, the coupon itself is, is fixed in percentage points, but as the principal increases, your, your cash payment increases with inflation. And uh, obviously also the principal payment investors get uh, at maturity will be adjusted for inflation. Okay, so that sounds like a good deal. Um, would I be right in thinking that TIPS outperformed normal treasuries over the, the past years then when inflation was rising or, or at least considered high? Uh, yeah, this is now uh, really the difficult part, which actually also confuses many investors or where I often see the disappointment uh, by investors. TIPS don't necessarily perform when inflation is high. It is only about inflation surprises and inflation expectations. Um, to put it simple, the, the price of these bonds goes up when all of a sudden higher inflation is expected. So the, the outperformance happens on that moment. Afterwards, uh, even if inflation will turn out to be high, uh, it is actually already or was already priced uh, in, in these securities. Um, it's basically quite similar to stocks. Um, maybe it's easier to think about it with stocks. When we expect more earnings of a company over the next year, uh, the stock price uh, goes up now and not when the company then actually reports the good earnings uh, picture um, as already expected beforehand. And, and this means if we think about the last years now, it was actually mostly in 2021 when investors repriced inflation expectations. And it was also then when tips outperformed the traditional nominal treasuries. Afterwards, even if, if inflation readings were high, the performance was actually quite in line. I like your comparison with stocks there. That, that explains it more to me, Dario. So now then, looking at the current levels, are tips attractive now? Yeah, for us, it's actually not really the time uh, for tips in our view. Um, we have a real yield of 1.85% for 10-year tips. It's certainly still attractive from an absolute perspective, uh, even if it's already lower compared to recent peaks. And there is certainly also the case for having a portion or kind of a long-term position especially when investors are worried about inflation, but more cyclically and also more from a tactical perspective, we think it's, it's not uh, the best time. So we have a neutral rating for the segment. Uh, why is that? Uh, in, inflation expectations are really pretty much stable for the time for some time now. Um, it is the real component of the yield, uh, which is dominating the moves. Um, so in other words, tips do not really provide any kind of added value as the segment is not immune, uh, after all, uh, to changes in real yields. Uh, the securities only shield, as we discussed before, investors from rising inflation expectations. So in our view, it will remain also quite likely uh, in the near future um, that we see these moves mostly dominated by the, the real component, um, because the discussion uh, is mostly about the Fed path now, while inflation expectations really remain anchored. 
And yeah, at the same time, TIPS also don't offer the, the same diversification potential given their, um, uh, let's say, real nature. They correlate much more with stocks or high yield bonds uh, compared to nominal government bonds. So to summarize, we think uh, at least for the time being, it is not really the time for TIPS. And uh, we actually see better risk return combination in, in high investment grade corporate debt. Very clear message. Thanks very much, Dario. And thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. And now, uh, segueing from bonds to equities, earnings are still very much in focus. Uh, so it's great that Mathieu Rachete is here to update us on the season. Good morning, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. So the earnings season in the US is in full swing. Uh, we've got roughly a quarter of S&P 500 companies having reported their quarterly results so far. And it's been a rather mediocre start. Um, has the picture changed with uh, last week's results? Yes, that's true. So, um, you know, in the US, we now have roughly a quarter of companies that have reported results already. And as we mentioned, we rather had a weak start. But now, you know, the incoming results have been a tad stronger over the past couple of days. So if you look at the beat rate, it has increased from 62% just a week ago to 69%, although it's still below the 10-year average of 75%. If you look on the sector level, you know, the aggregate earnings miss can be entirely attributed to financials, especially banks that disappointed on the bottom line. So if you exclude financials, results came in more or less in line with expectations. When we look at the market reaction, you know, positive surprises are not getting rewarded to the same extent as in the past. So if you look at the companies who beat on earnings, they saw their stock price outperforming the market by 0.8% on average, which is only half the long-term average outperformance. But this kind of market reaction is not something unusual after such a big rally ahead of the earnings season, which of course sets the bar higher for companies. This week marks the busiest week in terms of earnings report. We've got roughly 40% of the S&P 500 market cap reporting results this week. And indeed, as uh, Lucia already highlighted, we had uh, Microsoft and Alphabet reporting yesterday. Where's the focus? Yeah, so really a lot of reports um, incoming this week. Among others, we will have, um, as I mentioned, the results of the several Magnificent Seven stocks, which will be um, really in focus this week. So those are the seven mega cap tech stocks in the US consisting of Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta, Amazon, Nvidia, and Tesla. The majority of them are reporting their quarterly results uh, this week. If you exclude Tesla here from the equation and look at the yeah, so-called Magnificent Six, um, this group of companies is expected to report 54% of earnings growth in Q4 year over year. So very high growth number. And so if you exclude those six names from the SP500, the SP500 will have contracted by 11% last quarter on a year over year basis. So the group is once again responsible for the heavy lifting of the S&P 500's earnings in Q4. The same actually holds true also for Q1 this year and also to a smaller extent for the full year figure um, of 2024. All right. So are you still constructive on the mega cap tech stocks in the US, Mathieu? Yes, we are. So, you know, we have seen quite a rally in the share prices of the Magnificent Seven, but the earnings power the group has is really quite remarkable. We think the fundamental case for those companies is still very strong and they are getting a, a big boost uh, from generative AI. There will be, of course, a moment where it will be time to switch into other names. But for now, we think uh, we still see um, the um, upside for um, for the group. For those investors that are looking for something more cheaply valued, uh, we think defensive sectors are quite on sale currently. So, you know, for things like healthcare and also Swiss equities, we see there an attractive entry opportunity. 
Great. Thank you very much, Mathieu, for your insights. Um, and um, I hope we'll have you back next week to keep us updated with more on the earnings season. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Please join me again tomorrow when I'll be back to host more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.